So as we gather to worship, and I know that um, many of us uh, saw and heard the um, news this week about the CDC decided that um, masked people, I mean, sorry, vaccinated people are uh, protected both from contracting COVID and from spreading COVID enough that they are recommending that we start dialing back our um, precautions. Um, and I think the one thing harder than getting into a pandemic is getting back out of it. And so as we are walking out, I want everybody to know that your church leadership team is having conversations. We're working hard to figure out how to welcome and accommodate and make space for everybody. And just as we needed to follow the scientific recommendations when the recommendations started and were about masking and distancing and being apart. We're also trying to find, follow those, those recommendations when they're saying, okay, it's time to um, open up a little bit. And just as we've also needed to love one another and take each other's needs into account and be uh, kind and careful and some of those things that go kind of beyond science, right, to just how we treat each other well, those things are also still in play. And we're still in a season where what I individually prefer may not be best for all of us together. And y'all, it is tough and it is tricky. And the one thing harder than getting into a pandemic is getting out of a pandemic. So... Um, I'm going to ask if you can just really try um, within this church. I know how tough it is because I've been in the, you know, first I saw the news on Thursday and I was like, yes. And then I was like, ooh, I'm leading a group of people <laughs> and we're gathering and, and we got questions. And point is, anybody for any organization that's making decisions beyond what am I personally going to do and trying to kind of have some ideas for what we together are going to do, whatever that we is, it's really tough. So if you could please do your best to be kind and patient with the folks who are leading wherever you are, store managers, school leaders, church leaders, just, just remember it's tough. So that said, our plan for St. Matthew's going forward for the next few weeks, um, please continue to pray for each other, pray for um, understanding and kindness, pray for some folks who have been at higher risk and maybe have had a higher sense of fear because of that, that, um, that just all those feelings and struggles, we know God cares about them. So let's pray for each other in the midst of those. Um, pray for the folks who are making decisions, that those can be good and strong decisions. Um, here at St. Matthew's, we're going to be kind of easing out of the restrictions that we've had in place. So this morning, um, we had promised, gosh, probably about this time last year, 
that we were not going to make major changes between Sundays. So everybody would get a chance to hear what was going to happen before we made major changes. So this morning, we're holding the course with where we've been. For um, next Sunday and the following Sunday, we're going to remove the ribbons that have been dictating where folks need to sit. But we're going to ask that unless you have a real medical reason not to wear a mask, that you continue to wear your masks through the end of May. That puts us all masked through the end of the school year when our kids are in school and wearing masks. And it's especially challenging because the science that we have is particularly about people who are a full two weeks out from a second vaccine. We also have a situation where people have a lot of different feelings and a lot of different reasons that they may or may not be fully vaccinated. And so when we all wear our masks, we kind of provide some space that if somebody hasn't been able to do that yet, they're not feeling like they're sticking out and they're the only one. So that's a loving thing to do, not necessarily because of germ spread, but because of being kind and sensitive to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in different places on this journey. So from now until the end of May, we're going to be um, keeping our masks on in worship, and then we will be continuing to reevaluate and kind of ease things back as the combination of what are case rates doing in Burke County, how's it going as far as um, the number of folks among our congregation who are fully vaccinated, and what are the most loving choices to make. So I know I'm taking a little extra time to talk through that, but I think it's really helpful to be able to just look into faces and say, um, this is tough, nobody's trying to um, make anybody else miserable. The coronavirus has done that thoroughly enough for all of us, and we are doing our best to love each other well as we um, reemerge. So um, if you have comments or feedbacks or things that you hope or would like to see, um, my cell phone is in the bulletin. I'm here after worship. I, you're welcome to contact me in any way you want to contact me. Other members of our leadership team are available as well. Um, we're going to get through this. We're going to get out of this. We're heading in a good direction. And we can love our neighbors as ourselves as we navigate this tricky season. So it's awesome to be able to worship together. I'm so glad that we're in person and connecting more with each other. And I'm looking forward to um, more and more freedom to worship without restrictions as, um, as things go forward. We're getting ready to enter our opening song as a time for prayer and reflection. If you have a prayer request or God sighting that you would like to share, though you can write those on the um, slip in your bulletin and Melanie will come around to collect those um, during our opening song. Will you worship with me? Without light, till from heaven you came running. There was. 
a God sighting, um, which is, I um, have been watching the different teachers and kiddos as I'm dropping off and picking up from school, um, and so specifically, I'm observing at Forest Hill and at um, 
liberty, but I'm imagining that this is happening, you know, throughout our county. Y'all, every year, our teachers and school staff work so hard on behalf of our kids. And this year, It's been a thing. <laughs> and um, so many teachers are giving above and beyond what they, anybody could reasonably ask of them. And many of them still feel like it's not enough. I'm not doing what I need to. The kids aren't getting what they need to. And that sense of frustration is not the God sighting. But y'all, they keep showing up. I keep going to the carpool line and there keep being teachers there and they keep welcoming my kiddos and they keep doing everything they can. And um, I've talked to a number of, of folks in school world who say like, we are all just getting through the end, right? We're, we're all just getting through the end and praise God for hundreds of teachers and other school staff and support staff throughout our county who are tired. They are justifiably tired. They're frustrated. They're justifiably frustrated. And they keep showing up for these kids. And just the amount of God's spirit um, carrying them through is amazing. And it's a sign of God at work among us. So um, I think right now in the room, Melanie is the key person for this one, but she is one of hundreds in our county and we're so grateful. So um, thank you, Melanie. Thank you on behalf of Melanie for all of you and a number of you in the room who aren't at it this year, but have been at it, right? Um, just so grateful. Well done. Um, we also have a God sighting that comes from um, our bakery. And I think, Jordan, we have a picture that goes along with this one. So the young lady in the pink, her name is Kim. And uh, every week, see that little blue um, pouch thing, right? Okay. That is where she keeps her money. And every week she comes to the... Um, table for Open Hearts Bakery and pulls out her little dollar bills from her tiny little money pouch because she loves our bakery and she loves our bakers and she is full of joy to bring her family and share in the work that we do. So um, everybody who's ever wrapped anything, everybody who's ever cleaned anything, everybody <clears throat> who's cut up any apples or otherwise been a part of it, you are bringing joy and you are connecting families and you're providing an opportunity for a little kid to give in a way that she gets a yummy treat and also funds are raised for um, people in our community who need them. And that's awesome. Thanks be to God. Um, we also have a number of prayer concerns that have been lifted up this morning. Um, we want to pray for Louise Brown. That's Don Davis's sister, and she's currently in the hospital. So we pray for uh, Louise, and we pray for her family as they're supporting her. Um, we also pray for Mac Berry, who was a teenager in a bad wreck, and now he's um, receiving ICU and life support care. So we pray um, 
for his healing and for all the people who love him and are um, walking with him through that. Um, Debbie submitted, I guess this is actually God sighting. Sorry, I missed this as a God sighting. Um, Debbie submitted a God sighting that I absolutely share, which is that Vicki is able to be with us this morning. So um, thank you, everybody who's been... Um, praying and connecting and thank you for getting vaccines and wearing masks and doing the things that we need to do to be back together. It's really lovely. And we're so glad to see you this morning, Vicki. Um, we're going to pray for healing for the Johnson family. So this is not the um, Johnson family that we see every, every Sunday morning, but Sherry Settle's mother's Johnson family um, is in need of some healing for their family. And we just want to hold them in our prayers, and, and particularly since Sherry is the member of that clan who's among us, prayers for her and for her strength and grace and patience as she's in the midst of a family that um, needs some prayers. Um, we're going to pray for Ernest Seal, who is dealing with leg pain, and for Jonathan Hamer, who's um, in the hospital with um, sepsis. And um, prayers for his healing, um, prayers for the medical team that's treating him. And um, I know that every week I read a number of prayer requests, and every week I realize that there are so many other prayers that are in hearts and minds and lives and relationships. And so um, please know <laughs> this morning, but every time, that when we pray out loud and by name for some people, we're opening our hearts and extending our prayers for all those folks that we're carrying, that we care for, um, whether or not you wrote on a card. Um, we care about the people you care about and join you in prayers for them. So let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your goodness and strength, for the power that you give to your people and the ways that you bless us by choosing to love the world through us. Thank you that we get to touch people with your love. We pray, oh God, for the leaders and rulers of our world. We pray for those who make decisions that affect so many others. May those decisions be made with wisdom and with skill. And may they be for our common good. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, and all those elected and appointed to be our leaders. Bring to them everything that they need to meet the challenges of leadership. And may we, together with them, work for our common good. God, we pray with th praise and thanksgiving for um, the progress that's being made against the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I saw this morning that over 70% of older Americans have received vaccines. And just a year ago, we didn't imagine that that was going to be possible. We're thankful, God for all the people who've worked hard to make that happen, for all the research that's happened over decades to prepare us for this point. And God, for your spirit leading and guiding and lifting up what is good, moving through all of that process. 
And even as we celebrate this progress, O oh God, we remember our brothers and sisters in India and in South America and in other places around the world that continue to be ravaged by this disease. We pray, O oh God, that even as we celebrate the new possibilities opening us up to us here in North Carolina, that we would also have hearts open to our brothers and sisters suffering around the world. May we be people who care for all your children. And may we keep our eyes and ears open for those places that we might make a difference. We pray for this, our local community of Morganton. We pray for teachers and students in the home stretch to the end of school. We pray that you would give them an extra dose of energy and courage. May each one of them know your deep kindness and compassion towards them so that when they are trying to serve near the end of their rope, they don't have to give from their limited resources but from your unlimited goodness. God, we pray for the particular people who have been um, brought before us this morning, for Louise Brown and Mac Berry, for the Johnson family, and for uh, Ernest Seal and Jonathan Hamer. We pray that you would bring healing and strength in just the ways that they need them most. We lift up, O oh God, all those who have asked us for our prayers. And we pause to remember and pray for those who have no one to pray for them. We bring all these prayers in the name of Jesus who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning is continuing through the letter to the Philippians that we started last week. And the um, passage for today begins with Philippians 2, chapter, sorry, Philippians 2, verse 1, and we'll continue through verse 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in great humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is one of those passages that I sort of feel like maybe I should just read it two or three more times and then call it good. Um, you know, like what exactly am I planning to say after reading that? That's really, um, yeah, what do you say after that? I love this scripture. And I've realized as I've been um, reading back through Philippians, I love Philippians. I just, the way Paul is talking to them, the place from where he's in prison, but he's, um, He's grown in so much maturity by the time he's in prison and writing to the Philippians. This is a guy who doesn't just know the information about Jesus. He's no longer sort of recently converted. This is somebody who's really, really let this stuff sink in. And so then when he's writing back out to the Philippians and when he's sharing about the good news about what God is up to, man... <laughs> It just feels so full of conviction and so good. He's in this part, he's encouraging them. And it's a sense of like, I want to encourage you about how you're going to live and behave and move through the world, but not because I have a list of rules for you or seven principles for how to function in society or, or, um, you know, 10 tips for a happy, easy life. It's like, this is the foundation of the universe. <laughs> this is how God works and how God interacts with everything else. And so you have this amazing opportunity and invitation to live your life aligned with the deepest possible truth. You have the invitation to realize what God's best is and participate in it. Wow. So he says, be of the same mind and the same love and full accord. And I think often our minds go immediately to what are the church controversies of the day and why can't we just agree on the same solution or same expectation around that issue. I don't think Paul's talking about issues here. It's not, you know, in the olden days, there was like this huge raging debate about whether organs were appropriate in worship or whether they were too newfangled and showy and did not have a place among God's people. And y'all, people got up in arms. People got real grumpy 
People founded separate churches so that they could have the opportunity to be at a with an organ church or without an organ church, okay? It was a big deal. But if we pause a minute and think, okay, remember Paul's telling us the absolute foundation of the universe is the self-giving love of God who makes the choice to pour out that love on all people and we're invited to get in on it. Okay, so now let's get all mad at each other and split up over whether or not we play organ music. No, right? People could have very good faithful reasons to argue that having the organ in worship really lifts their spirits to God and is an important part of worship. And that argument could be made faithfully and in alignment with Jesus. Other people could have really good and effective arguments about how the cost of an organ and the elaborate uh, music which comes from an organ might be uh, distracting and difficult and they would prefer to use those resources in a different way. Those are good and fine arguments to have, right? And people can have conversations about them and I honestly don't think it actually matters enough one way or the other that it even is like, Paul is not talking about like keep after it and make sure you all get on the same page about organs or no organs or whatever the debate of whichever day is, right? That's our example, but that's not the only thing we choose to get picky with each other about. The question isn't, do we all agree on every single detail of what to do because the question is, do we have the same heart? Are we focused on the love of Jesus? Have we been transformed by the presence of God? If we're going to discuss with each other whether or not to have organs, are we gonna discuss person to person, beloved child of God to beloved child of God, recognizing that I'm invited to listen and learn and be open to the other person because they are my brother or sister in Christ? Or are we just gonna muster what's the strongest argument and what's the best way to prove the point of the thing that I wanna do anyway? right? It's not that we don't discuss issues. It's not that we don't have differences of opinion on this or that thing and how we do it. But do we have the same mind, the same love? Are we in accord with what God is doing in the world? Do we have the same ultimate goal, right? If our ultimate goal is we want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. We want to be drawn into the presence of the Spirit, and we want to be open to the way God might transform us when that happens, right? Well, then now if we want to have a conversation about what type of music or what order of worship or whatever else helps achieve that goal, we've all agreed on that goal, and we're holding that as the most important thing. Be of one mind, be of one heart, be shaped by what Jesus is doing in the world. 
so that you can live as people transformed by God's presence. And in my personal opinion, you have to have that part before you can get to the do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, right? If the, if the, if the most important goal of my life is getting my way, or having things be comfortable for me, or proving my opinion to other people, then I'm always going to live in selfish ambition and conceit. Because the whole thing's ordered around, how do I convince you to do things the way I want you to do them? Right? That's just the starting point there. (laughs) But if I'm in a place where the starting point is Christ, and the goal is God's Spirit, then I don't need selfish ambition or conceit anymore. I realize that there's a bigger, better, more beautiful, more all-encompassing. There's somebody that I can focus on and seek the way. If I focus on Jesus and seek the way of Jesus, I'm not going to get sidetracked by all my petty little, you know, foibles and missteps and sins and all that. If we start out by saying, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, but we don't have a different goal, we're kind of just being selfish in a different direction. We're still thinking about us, right? So Paul says, here's the thing. Here's the thing to look at. Here's the thing to point to. Here's the thing that really matters. And once we get that in our bones, once we get that in our bones, then we can start to lay aside selfish ambition. We can start to put, lay aside conceit. We can start to lay aside needing to look good or have the right answer or whatever else because we're so focused on the goodness of Jesus. The, the bit that starts with, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, that is probably one of the earliest hymns of the Christian church. A lot of scholars think that um, Paul, who was writing really soon after Jesus, was picking up a hymn that people had already been singing and sharing and pointing to it in this letter. It's like if your preacher, you know, is preaching along and talking about the importance of God's grace and then quotes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He's, he's moving it away from just the like, here's a letter and here's an argument and here's a concept to here are the words of your heart. Here's what you've learned together. Maybe just maybe I like to imagine that some young people in that congregation had heard this as a bedtime song, just like my daddy used to sing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. 
How great thou art, how great thou art. That song makes an argument. It has words that are telling us about how great God is. But when we hear it, and when it resonates with who taught me that song, and when have I leaned on it in a hard moment, and who sung it to me when I couldn't sing it for myself? It's the words and it's the argument, but it's also <laughs> so much more. I wish, and I looked for it, I tried, y'all. I wish we had a really great musical setting for this particular hymn. Because, man... Isn't that something we want in our bones? Isn't that something we want to be able to lean on in a hard moment? That Jesus Christ was in the form of God. He was God. But he did not cling to that. He did not fight for power and position and selfish ambition and make sure he held on to what he had. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a slave. He became obedient even to the point of death. All those things that we as human beings and in our um, nature for self-preservation and for taking care of ourselves, that's all the stuff that all our sinful nature says, oh, no way, uh-uh, not going there, don't want to do that, don't want to experience that. And God did not choose to fuss at us about that. God chose to come and to live among us and to let go of all God's power and all God's position and all the ways God could have chosen to avoid all the pain and hardship and junk that are part of our life that we work to avoid. And God did the opposite. God did not have to experience any of it. But God did not work to avoid it. God came and jumped right into the middle of it. And because God is God and because... I don't even know what it's because except for this is the foundation. That very choice. The fact that God does not avoid the bad stuff. Because God himself died on a cross, therefore, God highly exalted him. Therefore, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bend and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is what brings God glory. Not sheer power, not omni-anything, not... I'm big and fancy and important. But I'm the God of the universe. And I let go of all of it to get rid of any barriers to loving. So we're going to circle back to where we started. After we read this, why do I need to stand here talking? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of details to work out. There's a lot of specifics for... How do we live? How do we love? What does this mean in my life or my neighborhood or my situation? But if we are filled with 
and shaped by the truth of who God is and what God is up to in the world, then we can find the unity that we need to find. And then we can take the steps that we need to take. And we can love and be loved in ways that change the world. It's like a really big ask and also praise Jesus. All we got to do is get on board with what God's already doing. Because he's really good at it. So the um, hymn that we're going to end with is a um, Charles Wesley hymn. And it is uh, not one of the ones we sing so often because the um, tune is really hard to sing. But the, the title of the song is And Can It Be? And the whole hymn follows through, Can it be that I would gain from God's loss? So as we listen to this closing hymn and as we um, meditate on God's word, listen to what Charles Wesley wrote and open your hearts to the presence of God. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain for me Oh!
Amen.